Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello, welcome back to Rule the Rouge podcast. This is two in two weeks now. Fuck, it's almost like we're finding some sort of consistency again. Almost like Tottenham Hotspurs home form this season. Um, that that was good because this is a Tottenham podcast, and I've you know done a little Tottenham thing there, and yeah, um, it's good to reinforce that early doors because it's hard to sort of remember that that's what this is about. Sometimes that's it. That 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 voice you're hearing there. Ladies and gentlemen, um, that's Mr. Raj Baines. How are you doing, Mr. Raj Baines? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Sorry for missing last week. Well, uh, right, busy man. You are, yeah. I, mean, I think it was more me just wanting to have my dinner, wasn't it, really? <laughs> well, we planned it to do it later, but I'd, you know, I had a couple of things come up. It's actually you know, probably a blessing in disguise that I had the evening off, otherwise I would have... Probably been going till late, but you know, being able to finish and and all sorts. It was, you know, what it's been. It's past couple of weeks. I think that's been bane of my existence. And touch wood, I hope it's over. Is that um, Microsoft have been having server issues, which has affected their entire online platform. And I still use Hotmail, so my main sort of work yeah, account, Hotmail for the life. Thing I use is the same Hotmail account I made when I were in high school. And so I'm, I'm reticent to get rid of it because it's got years worth of contacts in Sexy there. SexyRaj6969 at Hotmail.com. <laughs> no, I've never, had a, I've never had a silly one, to be honest, because first ever a Hotmail account my dad made for me, and it was my full name. And I didn't want that because it, it seemed a bit much, my full name. So <laughs> I, I redid it like a year later. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not as silly as, as it could have been. Do you know um, what my first ever Hotmail account was? Koi's Jack, big dick. It was actually Wu Tang Jack. There you go. Uh-huh. At hotmail.com. <laughs> Wu Tang. Actually, do you know what though? Wu Tang Jack 60, because someone had actually already taken Wu Tang Jack. I'm not actually surprised by that. Wu Tang's one of those things that people do tend to lean on if they can. Yeah, Wu Tang Jack 60 at hotmail.com. Hit him up. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a cool guy. Um,. Did you have like were you on MSN and everything back in there? Of course, of course. That was uh, kids these song, days song lyrics as my uh, as my name. You know, sad ones when I was feeling sad, happy ones when I was feeling happy, and sometimes in between ones when I was feeling, you know, somewhere in between the two of those aforementioned. You'd put all the names of your friends in your status to sort of go. These are my main ones. I didn't have any friends. Like, 
No, that was the big thing at our school is you'd list all your friends and then if you went out with someone, you'd delete all your friends and then you'd put the person you were going out with in your status. Um, how innocent we were back then. I know. I was just telling you actually about... Uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised you still are part of the MSN generation though. That's that's all, mate. Oh, of course I was. It was massive, man. It was all the way through high school. It was, See, I, I was assuming you jumped straight into like, Facebook, MySpace, Bebo. No, I didn't get a Facebook account until I left high school, until my last year of high school. Um, so that would have been, what, uh, 2009? Shit. So. Um, yeah, so I started in 2004, yeah, so it would be 2009. Um, so it was late on that like, we moved to Facebook, but yeah, MySpace was massive. Um, but it was MSN and MySpace were the two main ones to have. We sort of, I think we skipped Bebo for the main part. I think that was sort of on its last legs as we were sort of becoming an internet generation. But we were we were sort of still your ten pound top up text your mates uh, on your Samsung flip phone or thirty three ten or whatever you had. Um, and then uh, I think I had a my, the best phone I had one year was uh, Samsung D nine hundred, one of the the thin slider ones um, that like Bluetooth was the latest technology on. Um, oh, that's what I, had, I had the uh, Siemens, like my first prop, like decent phone. I think before that, I had like a thirty-two ten for about twenty years. Do you know what I mean? As everyone did, but um, I got a Siemens SL forty-five, which I think was the first phone to have an inbuilt MP three player on it, and it was yeah. just yeah. I felt like such a gangster. School. Yeah, there, yeah, there was, was the kids that got like Sony Walkman phones and stuff like that. But I, I got a, I got an iPod Mini for my birthday, um, in year seven. So that was sort of my main iPod for years. Yeah. Um, so I never needed a an MP3 phone. But yeah, like sort of, yeah, what was it? Not point two VGA camera that you had on these things, and sort of you thought it was the best thing you'd ever seen in your life. Um. Little did you know what was coming around. But I was going to tell you, even though we've had this conversation already, about the girl that was from my high school who's been sent down for 10 years for going on a knife rampage. Because uh, <laughs> sort of it was just one of the biggest things to have happened, uh, like in our small circle of people who went I f- to my I high I feel school. like you need to, to take this one back a few steps, mate. You kind of jumped in straight off there with the, uh, with the punch or, I don't know, stab line, I guess, but... Well, let me um let me find the um the actual article. We're veering into written. problematic territory early doors, so it sort of sets. How is it tone. problematic? I'm reading a. It's happened. Okay, uh, this was from yesterday at seven a.m. on the Yorkshire Post. It's actually Yorkshire Evening Post uh, website. Woman jailed after slashing Leeds A and E staff in utterly needless attack. Uh, a woman has been jailed after she slashed Leeds A&E staff with a razor blade during an unprovoked street spree of assaults. Um, shall I say a name or not say a name? I mean, it's not Yorkshire Post, so you'll be able to find it. It's not as if it's not news. Uh, Louise Revson, 23, wounded St. James's Hospital doctor and porter with a weapon and lunged at a nurse who had treated her. Leeds Crown Court on Friday, Judge Robin Mayers told her this was utterly needless. You attacked the very people who were there to help you. Uh, what else? Steve, Prosecutor Stephen Littlewood said that at 6am on July 24th last year, an ambulance was set to Revson's house as she took an overdose. Paramedics confiscated a razor blade they found with her, but before she got into the ambulance, she went back into her house and rearmed herself. The court heard. I mean, who thinks of that? How, how... 
following treatment in the Gladau wing, she inflicted a gash on the right form, forearm of Porter Richard Kelly, which required nine stitches. Mr Littlewood then said she assaulted another Porter, Stephen Winstanley. Nurse Rosie Bolt went to a family area near a resuscitation room after learning that Revson was armed. The nurse thought that Revson had scratched her right arm using her fingernails, but when she looked down, she saw what was in fact a Stanley knife. Revson had a manic and crazy look before laughing and walking away, the court heard. She slashed a resus... I can't even say that word. She's, I'm going to skip it because I can't read. She slashed registrar Martin Kennedy's forearm, causing a 1.5 centimetre gash to his forearm, which required six stitches. If I was editing that, I'd have got rid of the word forearm because you use it twice in the same sentence. Um, <laughs> he said she looked straight at him in the eyes and smiled at him. Um, Barrister John Humphrey mitigating said Revson had pleaded guilty to the offences. Uh, I don't think I've ever read this before. She and this is her- so this is somebody you went to school with, right? Yeah, she was in my year. She was in uh, another form with some of my mates. Um, she was a bit of a loner, and sort of people thought she was a bit weird. She was one of those kids that, you know, as kids you sort of laugh at because they're different. But nobody ever thought she was this dangerous. But, you know, reading this now, I've not seen this before. I think they've updated it since. Uh, court heard that she had previous um, eight previous convictions from 14 offences, um, including one for assaulting another nurse. So she's apparently this is a, uh, a thing she does. I feel, quite, yeah, I feel quite bad for her in a way, really. I guess she's probably from some... She's probably she's obviously from a troubled troubled background, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it says that in the piece, but you, nobody really knew that there was an out wrong way in high school. It's just, you know, when you see anything other at school, you sort of point and laugh at it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course. Because that's what you do, but it, it was one of those weird... I, I, I remember when I used to get pointers and laughed. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't. I was. How many I was cool. People have you attacked with a stab with a Stanley knife, mate? Just don't get on the wrong side of me, you know. That's all. The um. Don't know. You don't know. The uh. The thing that made me laugh most is though that um. About two minutes after this had broken, and sort of it was all over my Facebook timeline of people I went to school with. Um, Seb posted an update about um, old Etonians football, and it was like the, the the culture clash of like sort of this manic person who's gone on a knife rampage compared to Seb networking about sort of old football events for me, and we just made me smile. Glad I, I didn't realise there's there quite a big football culture there, isn't there? Actually, well, Eton. Yeah. They're mad for it. What else are you going to do on a Saturday? True. Harrow away? Or bo- boating and stuff, isn't there? There's, that's sort of what it's famous for. Punting. What What actually is... Punting is boating, right, isn't it? Actually, uh, Mate, you're asking the wrong person. I've just said that as a joke. I think... Yeah, I think punting is a type of boating. I don't know. This, this is where we need him. This is where he's a got punt- a punt is a flat-bottomed boat with a square-cut bow designed for use in small rivers or other shallow water. It looks a bit like a gondola. Sounds like something. Things. Sounds like something you'd use more as rhyming slang nowadays, isn't it? Like you know, you're a yeah. river punt or something. I don't know. You know what I'm on about. I don't know. No one else yeah. does. Um, speaking of Seb, um, the let's, punt. Yeah. Let, <laughs> He's going to be talking to our Burnley guest. I guess I'll tell you what, let's we've done our little uh, we've done our preamble. Let's cut over to our Burnley guest. So anyone that is actually interested in anything remotely football related can cover that off now. Um 
And so Seb is talking to Natalie Bromley of the No Nay Never podcast. Uh, yeah, take it away, Seb. Hello, everybody. How have you been? It's been a while. So in case you've forgotten who I am, my name is Texter Speech, the official spokesperson of Rule the Roost podcast. As you know, I only tend to crop up when someone has dropped a bollock and, given that we know it's a section Seb has recorded next, it's hardly the fucking Zodiac case here guessing who's done it this time. As you'll hear, our Burnley guest sounds fine, but Seb is a little on the quiet side. We can't fix it, because it's been recorded that way. Who'd have thought it? Bath's former pimp in retirement going quiet when faced with a lady. You know the old dog is out of practice. Speak to any female in the greater West Country area between the ages of 25 and 50 and they'll tell you just how smooth he usually is. Anyway, you've been warned, so don't bother tweeting in like a fucking cunt about it. Sound, I'm out. Peace and love. Run the rooster again. Okay, so we have Burnley on Saturday afternoon. Um, so we'd like to ask Natalie Bromley from the Nowhere Never podcast to talk us through what's been kind of a strange season, Nat. Um, obviously the, the, the difference between... Um, your home form was was excellent, and, and which in certain is another season. But your away form, which is um, which is uh, Derby County's record threatening. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> it certainly is. Well, I think the thing first and foremost, when you look at it on paper, and you sort of do a quite a high level analysis of the season, any Burnley fan would be out of their mind if they weren't absolutely delighted with how the season has gone. Um, we're trying not to overthink it. Um, and at the end of the day, the the table will show the points gained from the whole season. They won't um, really care where you get them from, whether that's home or away or whether there's lots of draws or, you know, a few wins here and there. It doesn't really matter. It's the points on the board at the end of the season that determine where you finish and whether that keeps um, another Premier League season intact. So on the whole, we are absolutely delighted. Of course we are. It's going way better than we expected it to. I think everybody had us down, bookmakers and, and fans alike had us down for um, a third relegation from the Premier League and, and no chance of survival. So the fact that we are um, sitting quite comfortably um, eight points clear of relegation and looking, I don't want to jinx it, but looking like we should stay up. I think it would be take something quite catastrophic now to go down from this position. Um, it's really, really good. But as you quite rightly say, there is a very, very, very weird thing going on between our home form and away form. Um, I don't think the delight at how well the season has gone um, negates your ability to question that away form. And I think most of us um, are questioning that. And I, and I think the, the worrying thing for us is that it would be very nice to get a couple of away wins before the end of the season, just because we don't want this to drag on into next season. We don't want this to be a thing. You know, we don't want to start next season still with this very weird away form hanging on our backs and and, and, and take another worry going into next season because it's obviously a psychological problem. There's no other, ex well, I say it's obviously a psychological problem. I, I think there are some tactical um, deficiencies as well from, from Deitch. Um, I don't want to sort of sound too sensationalism there, but um, on the whole, it is probably psychological um, and it's not been helped by some poor tactical decisions away from home. But I just don't, I just don't want it to turn into a long-term thing. I want to be able to, to start next season without this hanging over our heads, to be honest. You know, you said it's a psychological thing and it's, really odd because um the away games i've seen burnley play this season um i know the statistics i know what the record is and i know what the record is 
but you you played very well in the first half. Yeah. It seems like um, it's not this. Um, they, I I think you're absolutely right. I, I think there is a slight kind of variation of like when you're away from home, you play so well. You could have had that game relatively tight between Stoke and the rest of your team. Yeah. And I think that maybe invites a little bit of pressure. Oh, absolutely. I um mm. I wonder. Um, I mean it, it's. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I can't, I, and this is going to be a, a little bit of a cliche, but I can't help but think that this might have been a manager and a, um, an emphasis on, right, we, we win at home and we put everything into playing at home. There's a very yeah. drop-off um, in, in the season. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's, just, it's odd. I, I'm kind of searching France. I have absolutely no idea what it is. There's no, there's no sort of, you, you know, obviously you're actually a very good team, yet you play like Sunderland. <laughs> you're away from what yeah, you, exactly. It's odd, isn't it? When you're away from home, it's just, yeah, it's it is strange, and I think I think you've got to look at this in 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 some kind of realistic, you know, bubble. You know, you can't just just look at this and think, oh, well, we should have picked up. 10, 12 points away from home. Because let's be realistic here. Most games, most away games in the Premier League, you do not pick up points. And there's at least the top, well, from the top 10, 12 sides are in the top 10 or 12 positions because they do not lose at home. You know, they win all of their home games or, you know, if they do face a tough side, they tend to, to get at least get a point out of them. So there's very, there's actually very few opportunities to win away from home in this division. It tends to be probably the bottom seven or eight sides. So, you know, we did have a problem in the first half of the season in that we played some really tough fixtures away from home. We played all of the top sides and I think we'd hardly played any of the bottom eight sides by Christmas. So, you know, we do have to be realistic here and, and, and appreciate that we were going to sides where you shouldn't really ever expect to pick any points up away from home. I, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I, um, I think the shame of it is that um, because of this Oh, absolutely. I, I don't mean in the sense of like these are crap players and they, and they should be where they are. I just mean these are players who have grown to a level. I mean, I I, yeah. um, I saw Matt Lothian play the other the other day, and I just thought that doesn't look like Matt Lothian. No, no, he doesn't, does he? Not yeah, he's really improved hugely. And I think, I mean, I hopefully it's good that we're having this chat now because I think you know most people in the country now know um, what a good player Michael Keane is. Mm, yeah, he's great. He's Oh, he's my favourite player. How dare you? It's fine. I think that was about ten days before he scored that goal against Liverpool. So that that speaks of me. Oh, good timing. Never said about ever again. But like, it, he can buy all those back passes and stuff. And also, your wage player can do that. Yeah. The actual, if you if you just keep this ethos of players who have grown to where they are and have grown to this level, it, I, I think, yeah, if you can kind of departmentalize. into the next season it's still a, a you know a, a, a terrific season i don't want to sound patronizing about it I'm no not, you I'm don't no i 
I get where you're coming from. And I think it's a really difficult situation for us because, like you say, you look at those players and you look at the, the job that Sean Dyche has done and and you look at the a team that he's built that is competing so well at home and the teams that we've beaten at home. Plus, you add on to that the lessons that he's definitely learned from the last season. We were in the Premier League two seasons ago. You know, we were we're, we're turning draws into wins and, and losses into draws against and against sides, you know, the, the mid-table sides like your Southamptons, Everton's, Leicester's, Bournemouth's, those kind of sides. We were beating them we've beaten all of them at Turf Moor this season and that's huge so in that sense it does feel very odd to then start questioning Daesh away from home but you know I, I think I think the problem with him away from home is that he's just been too cautious away from home and I think that's you know if that's the way that you criticize him you know I, I, there's managers who face a harsher criticism than that so I think he'll probably take it but a lot of the problems have been that he's just been he's, he's gone away from home and tried to just shut up shop and, and play for a nil nil draw and you just cannot do that in this league you inevitably always get beat and then unfortunately by the time we 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 played Sunderland away from home, which was the last game before the international break. The the players were so fragile away from home and they were so scared away from home that we ended up with the nil-nil draw. And, and I think that's probably a worse result for Sunderland than it is for us. But still, it's like, well, if we're not... And I, sorry, this is awful for Sunderland fans, but if you're not going to beat Sunderland away from home, you're not going to win for the rest of the season away from home. I think we've accepted that. So, you know, it, it's it's harsh. From, from Dasha's point of view, it's a case of, you know unbelievable what you've done this season um he's turning into a very savvy manager and one that i think we we really is a very good fit for burnley he's built a team around him that's his team and he's playing the football that he wants to do he's 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 turning good players into absolute superstars like you say michael Keane, tom heaton in goal he's turned andre green to a premier league strike tom heaton's incredible yeah he's my player of the season by a country mile the first time i saw him i thought yeah you're a champion yeah Yeah, I mean, we're not, you know, there's no egos at Burnley. There's no egos at the club. There's no egos at the players and there's no egos in the fans. We know what we are. We know the size of the club we are. We know that most people consider us to be massively overachieving. Um, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think we've, we're building something here. And, and you know what? Unless you get a massive multi-billion pound investor coming in to, to completely overhaul your club, everybody has to start somewhere. And, you know, we we went up in 2009 and everybody thought that it was a one-off. Everybody just thought that it was just a complete bonus and it would secure Burnley Football Club's survival for the next 10 years. And even we thought that. So we quite rightly took the money, paid off all the debts, hardly invested in the team and just enjoyed the season. The second promotion in 2014, sorry, um, was still probably an element of that. But this time we invested a little bit more in the players and we invested the majority of it in the training facilities. And then the third time you then get promoted again as champions this time which I do think is I don't think it's a myth I do think it makes a difference when you go up as champions and this time we'd gone up this was the third season in the Premier League we'd wiped off all our debt we bought our ground back we'd invested in incredible training facilities we'd sold um, some players for some really decent profit and this season you kind of looked at it and went well, there's no excuses this year. This is the season that you've got to go for it. And we invested a little bit more on, on, on the players. And you just think, you know, I'll take the criticism that most of our squad was probably championship at the beginning of this season. At the end of this season, I expect probably half the squad will go if we stay up because you're going to then upgrade your players. And, and that's the way you do it, a little by little. Every transfer window, add a little bit more quality. You can't do it in one season. And I think sometimes the, the, the press, especially a, a little bit, 
I don't I want to say naive, but I think they've lost well, focus. I think yeah. Is very and, and, and inexcusable. Yeah. The, the example that you um, use is the club who you are espousing is really to blame for possibly uh, Mark Hughes' era of Chelsea. Yes, absolutely. They are the definition of what you don't do. Yes. You, you get into the league, brilliant, you survive, but then all of a sudden you have to start criticising the Chelsea apostles like beer, and uh, it, it all starts to. It's as if the broadcasting tech team is to blame. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly. And, and it's it is stupid. Still recovering from it now. I mean, yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, you, you are kind of um. I suppose I, I said this a few more years before it comes back to the problem, but it's kind of what happened to Arsenal ten years ago. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good example, actually. Yeah. Know Kirby, I mean, you know, he's got a bit more. Good <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I kind of like. I, I wish he hadn't said the stuff about English managers not receiving the credit because that's just been that's been undeservedly uh, it's, it's, it's been, been allowed to be what he is yeah since and it's just sort of ratcheted within that whole band of, of um, whatever um, yeah no I, it, it does it, it I agree um, okay so uh, what do you think of us massive hugely <laughs> yeah let's, let's talk about why we're here this is not a Burnley podcast this is don't care about Burnley they just care about beating us at Turf Moor yeah no I, I've got to say I've I've been hugely impressed this season and I think they that I just I've just I hate saying this because Burnley and, and Spurs have history from okay albeit from like another century but it's it's one of these where I, I just I can't help but really enjoy the football that you're playing and, and you've built together an incredible squad and and I know a lot of people joke about this but it is true it, it's the England squad you know and, we, and the, the fact that we've been able to build a nucleus of our England team around the Spurs um players is, is very much a credit to what he's building there and I love your manager I think he's a fantastic manager um and you just you just play such an attractive style of football. It's like fantasy football. It's the kind of football that fans want to watch. Now, at the end of the day, take away the money, take away the stress, take away the everybody's routines and what everybody's grown up with. Football is an entertainment business. And fans, of course, results are important, but ultimately fans pay their money because they want to be entertained. And I imagine at the moment that Spurs fans are just in absolute dreamland because it's such pretty football, but it's pretty football that's, getting results you know and, and it's just must be hugely entertaining to watch I, i've been a huge fan and and like i say it was um for, for the i think it was all about six minutes that we were ahead down at white hot lane um was obviously a wonderful moment but it was one of those where it, just watching that masterclass down at white hot lane was it was one of the very few games this season where i've come off and not felt particularly depressed that we lost does that make sense? I know that you, no, you should. I just don't know what to do with all that praise. If I'm honest, actually, <laughs> I don't really yeah, know how don't. to react. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's true. I mean, you know, sometimes, sometimes you've just got to acknowledge that there are some great teams in there in the division. And, and I'm a, I'm a football fan. You know, I'm a, I'm a Burnley girl through and through, and that is my team. But I generally watch as much football as I possibly can. I've always got it on the television, and I just I've just watched you so much this season, and, and it's really exciting to watch, and it's nice to see that there is a manager who is brave enough to combine um, 
entertainment and attractive football with that hunger and desire to try and win. And, and, I, and I genuinely think that, you know, you'll finish top four this season, even without no, Harry. No, no, don't say that, okay. like that Natalie. We don't, I'm don't. touching wood. No, no, don't even, no, I'm no, touching. Not even touching wood. No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay. Look, Pochettino uh, may have made the team better, but he hasn't made us any less paranoid. So oh, okay. uh, there's to be none of that and you will never football be fans again. <laughs> Oh gosh! If anything happens now, I'll go into hiding. Listeners, I'm so uh, sorry. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Uh, we'll we uh, yeah. edit out your last name. No one will ever know, <laughs> and we will put some kind of voice disguiser on you. But no, that is not acceptable. No, I'm have, sorry. Have I, I apologise wholeheartedly. <laughs> I should thought I should know more than anybody about football. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, jinxes. So I, I apologise, listeners. Uh, please forgive me. Uh, it's, more, it's not even jinx. It's just football crapness, isn't it? <laughs> we are funny, aren't yeah, yeah. So, I'm still not convinced that we're safe yet. And you look at the table for us, and and you just think, well, anybody who's a, a neutral will look at that and think, well, of course you're safe. Don't, don't be crazy. And then like, no, 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 we're not safe yet. Not until we, you know, it's mathematically possible. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't have gone no, that no, line. No, that's absolutely fair. We're exactly <laughs> the same about Arsenal and the top four and everything else that goes on around here because it's just uh, when you when you when you when you're fighting against the system that has this negative precedent in the back of your mind, you, you yeah, you've got, to, you've got to behave like that until it's done. It's not done. Um, uh, you know, even I, we could be 12 points ahead of Arsenal with one game left to play, and it still kind of would, you know, somehow through some sort of weird wrong. FA technicality, <laughs> that we'd, be, we'd end up humiliated. Um, Natalie. Oh, no, don't Any, panic. No, It'll be... Well, Natalie, um, good luck to you on Saturday. And, <laughs> thank uh, you. Very best for the rest of the season, and thank you so much for coming on. No problem at all. My pleasure. Thank you. Joseph. Thanks a lot, and thank you, Natalie, as well. Um, Burnley, I mean, is there any much, anything much you want to add on that one? They're, they're pretty tougher at home, mate. They've got a decent home record. If I-I-R-C, that's me using web acronyms, I-R-L, if I recall correctly. Yeah, the, uh, their home form's the only thing that's keeping them in the division, because mm. I don't think they've won away. Um, Do you so like that, sort of... that keen lad that's been... Making these sort of getting these England caps at the moment, would you take? He's quite a, good, yeah. As he's, an option. He's, I, I, I think I might prefer Harry Maguire um, at Hull. Um, I'm not sure that's if that's just because he sort of he reminds me a bit of Michael Dawson, and he's a Yorkshire lad, so I'm naturally sort of biased. But I, I, I like what I've seen of Maguire a tad bit more. But Keane is is fantastic. Not to I mean, be a regionalist or typecast, but you sort of touched on it there. I don't know. There's something about a. Uh, a Yorkshire defender, it just, it, I don't know, I just think it, it seems it, it works for me. Like, lads from Yorkshire playing in defence, it's like, I don't know, hard lads, you know? As Danny you can Rose, see from John exactly. Stones. Cool. Danny Rose, I think John Stones will be a fine defender in a few years, mate. I actually do. He's, he's all right now, he's just, he just yeah. needs to sort of learn his trade a bit better, but he's, he's got all, everything's there for him. Yeah, and could be very good. Um, but yeah, Rose Walker, big. Doors. I mean, if 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 a Wimmer is to go in the summer, which sort of you'd expect, Burger Kev. Yeah, he is. Then, um, then uh, yeah, Keane or Maguire would be uh, be someone I'd I'd look to bring in. Um, if if you don't go abroad or anything, if we don't bring <laughs> Roma's player of the season, Fazio back, uh, then bizarre. Bizarre, mate. Mate, he's Absolutely doing it on bizarre. both ends. He's, he's been an absolute rock at the back and he's been knocking him in from set pieces at the top as well. He's, he's genuine revelation over there, which is um, you know, something to be said for that. I think it's just because... Odd, oddly missing from our centre-backs this year. I don't think either Toby or 
Toby or Jan have scored a goal this year, have they? I think Alderweireld might have early doors, um, but uh, Vertonghen's on a bit of a dry patch at the minute. So he used he, to be quite good for a few, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that was sort of uh, that was what made people most excited about him when he first signed from Ajax. Because uh, you remember that was a bit of a saga, wasn't it, from Ajax? Because I think they wanted ten million and Levy was offering like eight, and it's usually you know that that two million that's the big difference for us always. Was what <laughs> extended the deal for six weeks. Um, but yeah, he's, it's, it's, he's he's had a fucking good season, hasn't he? Though, Jan, got me. You know. They all have. I don't, I don't think there's anyone in our squad who you'd particularly point to and say has been poor, um, which is you know a luxury of being a good team now. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, it's okay, maybe. But. <laughs> I, I don't think it's sort of relative to expectation. No. Um, um, so speaking of signings, this is a nice segue into John Sessions at John Sessions nine nine nine. Sounds like a politician. Sorry? Sounds like a politician. John Sessions. Mm. Or or it sounds like a man called John, who is an enthusiastic kind of, you know, jazz pianist. You know who it is that he reminds me of? The name. It's Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General. (laughs) You know, the one who's been sort of uh, dogged by controversy since... uh, Big Bad Donald's got in charge. It's pretty hard to keep a track of who's dogged by controversy in American <laughs> politics nowadays, really, isn't it? Like, well, I, easy, to be fair, our lot aren't whiter than white either, are they? So, you know, it's hard to... I don't know, fuck it all. Fuck, fuck the system. Um, Anarchy in the UK. That's it. John Sessions uh, asks, whimsically, is Zahara a suitable replacement for Lamella? Um... I mean, I don't know. See, that's kind of, I, I would, as touched on last week, I'd actually quite like Wilfred Zaha as an option. Um, You've had a Zaha boner for quite a while. I, I haven't, but 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 more a so. Zona. To, to, <laughs> I mean, my my Zaha boner in past. So, say for example, um, not and I'm not saying this in a I told you so way, even though I totally am. I've and not to you. I just mean in the wider sense. I've had I've had a boner for Victor Wanyama for many years, probably the entire time we've recorded this podcast. Um, but that's always been, in my opinion, founded in an actual sense that he would improve our team. Wilfred Zaha, up until this point, has always been a kind of punt, as in like there's some raw ability there, but a flat bottom know. butt. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's good, good, good. Linking back it's to a callback, they call that yeah, joke. I like that, I like that. Um, but now, I actually, I actually think he's shown enough this season. He seems to have matured a lot. Um, and I, I think he's a very decent player. And I, I know, I know there'll be a big, big price that would come. That's the thing the that puts signing. me off about him because I, I do see the upside of him, yeah, and I do see the potential for sort of. Pochettino specifically to take a rough diamond and sort of mould him into a a good player and and sort of he is young enough and raw enough to to change his game and he appears malleable and enthusiastic enough to do that and I think since sort of that failure of the Manchester United move he's got a bit of a chip on the shoulder which I like on my players. It, it happened nice and early in his career right as well which yeah. is uh, yeah. So I, I, I quite like that sort of players needing something to prove and having a bit of a you know, a bit of darkness to fuel them. Um, there's something but, as well, like now as well. There's something I quite like about him that he's he's kind of. I don't know if you've seen it. Past few days, he's fallen victim to the sort of 
let's not beat around the bush, the latent racism of the press, as per usual, with this whole, oh, he, you know, he didn't have the minerals to play for England, blah, blah, blah. Lad was born in the Ivory Coast. Like, mm. you know, he's... Ryan Giggs never got that type of shit. That's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah. Um, I just quite like Gareth Bale and that, isn't it? Yeah. So, I, I like um, a marginalised player. I, you know, I, I like him for that reason. I think he's talented. I think he's, he's uh, I, I kind of. I don't like the flip week. side of losing him for a month in January. No, no, no. That is that's kind of annoying. But I, he, he, to me, is a bit of a. He's basically. I think he's a bit of a. a not so much Poundland. That's probably a bit too derisory. But he's a. He's a. Wilkinson's. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah, that's a good one. He's he's a Wilkinson's Raheem Sterling for me. Like is in the respect that Sterling, you know, used to be for Liverpool, high impact, high intensity, short bursts, had a speculative moment in him, but Guardiola has since molded him into a rounded, complete player. And I, you know, I think he's yeah. I think he's brilliant. I really I I could pour a lot of plaudits upon Raheem Sterling. I think he's great for yeah. all the shit he gets as well from the press, so on and so forth, to just carry on and keep improving quietly. He's very good. Um, I, I kind of feel like Zaha could be that type of player now. Um, so I quite like him. But going back to the question, I don't think he's like a replacement for for Lamella, really. I think they're different types of players. Oh, no. The Lamella situation is really strange. Um, sort of his family um, issues aside, there are sort of yeah. you know the fact that he's training on his own now and sort of all that thing. I'm, I'm, I don't think he, this is the last time he'll play for the club. I don't think it's really maybe oh. at that extreme. Um, I just think maybe he's he's been given this sort of period to just sort himself out. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd I'd love him to turn it around again because the sort of how far he'd come in proving people wrong um, was such a pleasing thing to see and such a a vital part of what made us so good um, last season and towards the start of this year um, that, you know, it would be a loss to lose him at this point, um, even though sort of that's still somehow a contentious opinion to have. I'd rather have him than I wouldn't. My my main fear with Zaha, to go back to him, is that anybody who comes with a big transfer fee to Spurs I'm wary of just because of mm. how often those moves don't work for us there's something mentally that seems to um, stand in our way from getting the most out of players um, like that I'm not sure if it's a failure of us as a fan base or you know it's, it's something psychologically that affects everyone involved I mean sort of you can see it at other clubs I mean Pogba's hardly had the year you'd have wanted him to have after buying him for a record fee, but there's still clearly a talent there, and you'd rather have him than you wouldn't. But um, it's one of those things, really. I mean, I've always said that sort of since Pochettino's come in, I've always preferred the sort of people in the range of five million to fifteen million, where sort of they're almost a known quantity but there's enough mm. not known about them to to make it a discovery and sort of so it's a bit of a surprise because if people have the impression that they know a player before they arrive at the club then sort of they they're victim to misconceptions and, and predetermined thoughts and you know in many cases there can be that sort of um well, it's, it's know, that self-fulfilling kind of, process it's that kind of thing isn't it mate like i think for example 
you know, uh, one of the sort of transfer hotspots has been Isco to Spurs, which who knows, yeah, nine-tenths of it's probably guff. But for example, were we to sign someone like Isco, it's going to cost us in excess of 35, 40 million pounds. And you bring him and people are immediately going to accept, expect him to be a superstar. And were his return to be equivocal to something like Christian Eriksen's this year, people would probably still look at that as a failure. But when you look at what Christian Eriksen has returned this year, it's been remarkable. You know, he he's, he's, he's a truly exceptional player, but even he still polarizes opinion. Um, yeah, that, that, that's ridiculous though. Um, well, it's just because he doesn't, he he's, doesn't he's, score free kicks anymore. But that's else it. He does I think is, it's just that piece thing that it is, comes down it to is. weirdly. I mean, he, he creates more opportunities than anybody else in the league. And I think he's only sort of one or two assists behind Gilfie Sigurdsson, who sort of is the be all and end all of everything Swansea do. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the strangest sort of subsets of our, of, you know, criticism that I've ever seen is this questioning of a Christian Eriksen. I think somebody tweeted me the other day and asked, oh, who would you try and bring to replace Eriksen in the summer? And I thought, who, who can you bring in? Unless we're buying Neymar, <laughs> there is a very small percentage of footballers in the world who who are better than Christian Eriksen. This is, he's sort of, you know, he is an A-grade footballer. And you, the only way to improve upon him is if you're prepared to part with the money to buy an A-star level footballer. This, and that that's still a market that I'm not sure Tottenham are, are ready to swim in. There is this like strange, I don't know, like void of acceptance that, okay, we're, we're, you know, Chelsea are 10 points ahead, but we're second in the league. Like Tottenham Hotspur are second in the Premier League. You've got Manchester United who have spent in excess of 100 million pounds you've got arsenal who have spent a lot of money but you know probably not as much as that but they still you know spend so much on wages you've got city who spends ungodly amounts of money we've got even liverpool spending fuck tons um and yeah you know we've we've spent a fair bit but still within our means and we're second in the league and you still have people saying like you know Ericsson isn't good enough, but what 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 more do you want really? Because you, as you've said there, all right, okay, you know we can, you know there is room for improvement. We're not ten points clear at the top of the table like Chelsea are, but Chelsea spent over a billion pounds to get to this point. Who else in the league would you want in that number ten position? Who can sort of play it in the way that we do? Uh, sort of. De Bruyne and David Silva are the only players that come to mind off the top of my head. Continue, mate, I, I I'm, I'm I not even convinced De Bruyne is miles ahead of Ericsson. I'm genuinely. Like, I think he. I think he. He's a naturally more gifted footballer. I think physically he's got something about him that perhaps that he's, he's a bit bigger, but I think his pace as well. I mean, Ericsson's not slow, but there is sort of a when De Bruyne is in sort of his full flight, there is a a silkiness to to what he does that you know can lack from Ericsson's game. But again, that, that's marginal. And the margin of that is the fact that we bought Ericsson for 11 and they bought him for 55 or whatever it was. I feel like, we, do you know what I feel like it is with De Bruyne sometimes? And this is this is totally one of my, like, you know, you da, I just got a sense for it type <laughs> opinions. But I just, I feel like 
De Bruyne is not as sure of himself as Ericsson seems to be. Ericsson seems to be the sort of cocky little shit that just knows he's he's decent. And he always yeah. seems like a pretty pretty kind of level headed not level headed per se, but just a pretty cool customer for for yeah. want of a better expression. Whereas De Bruyne He's very secure within himself. Yeah, whereas De Bruyne doesn't Apart he just from his seems hair, which he had that. sorted. Yeah. I actually tweeted something the other day. I think there is a, a correlation between sort of Ericsson's sort of big dick moments in games and him having his hair plants put in. I think he does feel better about himself as a man. He maybe he sort of his uh, his his testosterone has taken a boost uh, since that because it is a, it's one of the knock on effects of testosterone, isn't it? Baldness. Yeah, so maybe yeah. he's quite a a uh, uh, he an aggy man behind the scenes. He's uh yeah. I mean, you know, uh, uh, it's a bit twatty to do this, but like my last job, I actually worked on a photo shoot with him um and he was he was he was pretty full of himself you know he wasn't he wasn't like the friendliest chap um but he wasn't particularly unfriendly if you get what i mean like he was just kind of shut up did what you'd expect him to do millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Them. wasn't particularly talkative um he does seem to game. keep he's, himself to himself yeah he's but i mean like he just he i don't know he's just he's just got a self-assuredness about him that i think a, a lot of players lack but yeah like you said there's, there's no one really other than i think david silver's a league of his own in the premier league he's, he's the, the best footballer in the division like he's, pound he's for pound. Yeah, he's exceptional. He's, he's, he's one of those footballers that's genuinely a joy to watch, um, even though he doesn't yeah. play for Spurs, annoyingly. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's the closest in sort of um, in intelligence on the field that the Premier League has come to since Luka Modric. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with that. Um, Owen, because we kind of touched on it at THFC, Owen also says what's happened to Lamella. Um as you said, dad, Matt, and he was, yeah, according to Matt Law of the Independent, um, his dog. It's died. not. It's not the. He's not the Independent. Is he not? Is he not the Indian? I, thought I think Indian. it's the Mail or something. Really? It's okay. one of the Tory papers. Um, but yeah, according to Daily him, Telegraph. Ah, uh, Telegraph. Okay, all right, Tory Graph. Um, 
his yeah his dog's died. No, uh, and that's I, no laughing matter by the way. I, I, my cat passed away last week. Oh shit, um, man! Sorry about that. She was she was fifteen, so she uh, we got her when we were nine, and it's it's no small matter. Um, you, you no, know, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to have affection for anything, mate. No, but uh, sort of, you know, uh, we've laughed about that in the past, and sort of we've done it in a sort of a uh, an ironic way, a knowing way, as we often do. Um, but sort of, you know, when you go through that yourself, and it's sort of, you don't know how much of sort of a, an emotional task it is to bear because it's, you know, our cat was sort of the, the first pet I'd had in my life, and sort of having come in at such a young age at nine, and I'm twenty four now, and now she's only gone. That's a you know large portion of my of my life she's been about, and it's you know it's a very strange, very emotional thing to to say goodbye to something like that you've bonded mm-hmm. with so so people make light of that is one thing and then the fact you've, you've got his brother sat um you know paralyzed on a bed next to him is uh just only compounds that so it's it's one of those things that uh with it still raw and sort of days away from having that having had to take it to the pets and had to put down I mean, it's, you know you, oh, you you sympathize much more than yeah. you would otherwise I, I mean on the flip side of that i i, I would i would say um, not to sound too callous, but I would say, were it just the fact his dog had died and he was oh, out yeah, for yeah. I'm not half just saying a season, I would, I would probably question that. But we know it's not just that. Um, I mean, there is stuff of his brother, but I, I, you know, I think, I think there probably there's there's lots of stuff lying around, isn't it? I mean, there's even been talk that he's, you know, he's failed a drug test and Tottenham are keeping it quiet, which I don't believe really um, what drug is he going to be taking oh fuck knows mate probably you know eating. MCAT yeah he, he definitely wears Nike Hirachis so that's I, I, I wear Nike Hirachis oh Raj come on mate yeah I'm bad man what are you saying mate what are you doing you going to go to fucking some happy hardcore rave in Liverpool next weekend or something like no when I put on my trackies there's not better than a pair of Hirachis to make them pop mate oh mate they're so comfy, so comfy. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard they're pretty comfy. But yeah, man, you can't. The god that is Tinker Hatfield, you can't deny uh, what that man does. I've, you know what I'm like with trainers as well. I, I'll, I enjoy that sneakerhead culture, as it is called. Mm. Um, so I've got all sorts of everything. I've got trainers that sort of the lads will take piss out of me about and and sort of stuff. I mean, no, I, mean, I, I don't got, know. I've um, seen I've seen a fair amount of your collection. They're they're all pretty. Deep. You haven't got any of these like fucking rough as fucking Air Maxes I've seen the past few weeks coming out. No, no, I've got a pair of. I what I what I try to limit myself to. This is going to sound really twatty. Is um, any model of shoe, I don't buy more than one colorway of. So I've got one pair of Air Maxes rather than you know I could quite happily yeah, yeah, have yeah. five or six. But my current pair, I'll wear until they're sort of falling apart, and then I buy a new pair. Otherwise, you sort of, you, you know, <laughs> I could sit, I could, you know, sit here with twenty pairs of Air Max and ten pairs of Stan Smiths and all but, that sort of. But business. what about the different silos within the Air Max family? Uh, yeah, you can have a pair of ninety fives and a pair of ninety sevens and stuff like that. Okay. You can have different uh, shapes, but you know, if if it's exactly the same pair and the only thing you've changed is the color, then you see, you've sort of got a slap yourself on the wrist at some point but my current pair are black and white um like mostly black with you know white hints to them which again are quite bad man 
Um, but I, you know, I like trainers. I mean, I, my, what I got for Christmas was a pair of, uh, Jordan 11 space jams that, you know, best part of 200 quid and I've not worn them because they're sort of collector edition trainers. Um, so that's, that's how. Just wear them, mate. Just do it. Nerdy them. You know, I don't, I don't want to break them. Just wear them. You just, what you do? I, see, this is this is one thing I've never been on board with. This is my thing. My, my feet aren't going to change, so maybe I will at some point. Yeah. Not the, opening the other stuff. Thing is it's been, not wearing it's, stuff. No, I wear them when the weather gets better, which it is doing. And the thing is, that I don't want to wear them out once and then step in. Yeah, a yeah, fair, fair. Uh, or a dog shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's one of those things. I'll I'll wear them occasionally, but it's they're not going to be everyday trainers. You know, that's what you've got Vans and Converse and that for, uh, which are. Stuff that again, I'll I'll wear until the four apart, and then buy a new pair. I've sort of segued into just because you know, getting a bit older. I don't want to look too tryhardy because I, I see plenty of like, imagine nothing, you know, nothing against sneaker. I've still got Air Maxes and so on and so forth, but I've sort of started segueing into more of your your Clarkses and things like that nowadays. I quite got a nice pair of Clark's Nature ones. These uh, little fly knit Clark's number. It was, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Clark's uh, shoes nowadays. I'm not sure about flying it. It, it sort of uh, always feels really flimsy on my foot. and I, I'm like conscious of sort of putting a hole in them and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's like a sock with a sole on it. Yeah, I, I mean, sort of the Hirachis are made out of um, sort of more of a sock-like material. Like one of my favourite pair of, of trainers I've got is um, I've got a pair of old um, tubular runners. So not the new gaudy-looking ones, one of the old... Um, smaller low top pairs um, in white um, which are really comfy they're, they're sort of pairs that I wear with sort of no socks on if I'm sort of walking up to the shops or something and I've got a pair of shorts on they're, they're what I wear because it, it literally is like wearing clouds on your feet they're absolutely gorgeous this is this is dynamite content isn't it right now yeah, this um, is the Hype Beast podcast. Basically, so Eric Lamella wears Hirachis. Um, you, <laughs> that, I forgot that's where we started. You don't think he's going to go this summer, but I, I'm kind of a view. I wouldn't I be surprised if he did, but I... Yeah. Well, it's about getting the money. Like, I, I don't know who's going to pay that money for him. Roma might offer us 10 mil for him or something, which maybe we'll take, but he feels like a player that's worth more than we probably signed him for now, but I don't know. That's probably wishful thinking. Yeah, I don't think Levy's going to sell him on the cheap. It'd have to be. You'd imagine he'd, if if sort of his personal life had got to the point where d- d- here's something I'll float is, I can imagine him going back to Argentina. For, the, that's the only place, and no I can imagine leaving him. Though, mate, that's the only problem. No, th- that's that's the only place I can imagine leaving Levy letting him go for cheap would be to sort of River or Argentinos or something like that. Um, you can imagine so how fuming he'd be though, like River signing for ten mil and then selling for to no, fucking Roma for twenty the next year. You'd or put whatever. sort of like forty, fifty percent sell on tax on it or whatever. Yeah, and true, you'd, true. You'd make Good sure shout. that you'd safeguarded yourself. Levy's mm. not dumb enough to fall for that. Good shout. Um but you'd you know I, mm. I think that's the only place you'd let him escape a back to in sort of paper talk. In a in a similar vein to this, whilst we're in this ballpark, then Nick Cohen at Nick the Yid sixty one says, "Paper talk, Ari Rose, Lamella, and Toby. Will we lose any key players this summer?" Um, my my big shout, mate. My big 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 fat opinion is that Deli Ali is a goner. That's, that's oh, this mine. season. 
Yep, this season, Real Madrid. That's my... I'm going to say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I stand by it. I think it's too early yet. It pr- it probably is, but I I think we're kind of past. This is the thing, like you know, the the rhetoric is always, well, what are Real Madrid going to do with Deli Ali? He's not even as good as blah blah blah. But football's past that point now. Manchester United didn't shell out all that money for Pogba based on his ability on the pitch at all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know? still, the, I, I see the whole adding up of sort of they're sponsored by Adidas, they sponsored by Adidas. You know, the British connection with. Gareth Bale, you you know you crack another market, sort of a the cynical thinking of it doesn't make sense, and I imagine that's one of the destinations he'll probably end up in the future. But for now, um, at twenty, um, I, don't, I don't think he'll go yet, especially with sort of. I imagine uh, he'll go the season after the World Cup, twenty eighteen World Cup. He'll be an even bigger. Named by then, he'll have had another Premier League season under him. He'll be a bit further into his contract, and um, yeah, he'll go then. Either either way, for me, he is he's the one that is just. Uh, this isn't in the sense of how he's playing for us, but he is a passenger at Spurs. I don't think he's really in this one for the long run. I don't think he particularly has any real affinity for Spurs. I don't think he. Do you know what I mean? I don't think he's. I don't think anyone that's going to come through the Milton Keynes youth no, system is no. going to have a particular affinity for what no, it is you, to you can't belong hold him to a to football it, club, you know, at all. Um, oh no, that's, that's a good point. Um, but uh, I think yeah, the only the only other kind of players, you know, were we to get a ridiculous offer for Lloris, I think we I think we've got a gentleman's agreement with Lloris that were Real or Barca to come in for him, we'd let him go there. Maybe buy I think him, I think the um, I think the Larry situation is more. I think he explicitly said it when he was um, at France duty this week. Is yeah, that yeah, his future did. is linked to Pochettino's. So if Pochettino goes, Larice is going. You know, see, you, lads, I'm not sure who you're bringing in, but I was I was here to play for him. Um, I would say he's even said the same with he, older Wyreld as well. But I think probably all the Belgian lads, they've seen how well we do at replacing managers. So I'm not sure they're going to be sticking around to see if we've got another Tim Sherwood up our sleeves. No. Um, which is, it kind of leaves us quite nicely onto Matthew Borum um, at mborum1, who says, if Poch leaves, are we back to square one? Um, who of our squad goes with him? Does Levy use it as a way to pay for the new White Hart Lane? I mean, in my opinion, Pochettino goes were fucked. <laughs> like, no, you just hired David Wagner. That. Yeah, you just hired David Wagner. You have you got that much faith in him? Genuinely, <laughs> he's taken a relegation candidate team and spent about three million, and most of that, less of that, is net, and turn them into a, a team that's knocking on the door of the Premier League. And you compare that to Newcastle United, who are still being paid as a Premier League club. Leeds, who have spent a lot of money. You know, Brighton, who spunk money year on year and have been up there or thereabouts for the best part of, sort of five or six years. Um, it's remarkable. And sort of having seen it overnight and seen the style of football he plays, it's, it's uh, you know, midway between AVB and Pochettino. So it's not the biggest culture shock in the world. Um and, but you know, I, I would, I would I'd take a gamble on him personally. But um, as as you've said there with Larice, though, do you not feel that there's that element though? Pochettino goes. A lot of the lads will probably think, well, why should I stick around to see if 
X works or not. You know, this is it. I bought into this with Pochettino. I follow Pochettino, you know. and I'm not sure he uh, sort of, I would... I would let them have the option at that point because I think mm. th- those players don't owe us anything anymore. They're in credit. So if they do want to leave at that point, we, we have to have the faith in ourselves to yeah. to reinvest properly and have built the infrastructure that is capable of coping. Because if we've got to the point now where sort of we're a stack of cards and you take one out from the bottom and we're fucked, it's not the greatest planning in the world. No. Um, especially in this day and age where managers just simply do not stay at, at clubs for that long. And even when they do, uh, as we see at Arsenal, you what's that Batman quote? You, you you stick around long enough to see yourself become the villain. Um, so it's you know it, it, these things have always got a an expiry date on them, and you've got to have that in the back of your mind at all times. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, you you'd sort of you'd want them to wait until you'd hired a new manager, and you'd want them to at least give the new manager the opportunity of sitting down, looking them in the eye, and having that conversation with them. And if still at that point they go, you know what, I think this is a good opportunity for us to part ways. I've signed a new five-year contract every six months for the past three years. You can get a fantastic fee for me, then, you know, crack on, and you'll you'll have the funds there to reinvest and, and try and... Um, make the squad better but it'll just be a case of sort of I don't think you're back to square one but I think it, 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 you have to sacrifice a season to sort of bed, it, bed everything back in and then go again the year after what, what square are we at now and what's the best square it's best square square <laughs> 10 <laughs> where does that uh, expression come from anyway I'm not sure Should we is it with snakes and ladders maybe I think it might be you know so uh, the best square is square 100 or 99? Yeah, 100 in Snakes and Ladders. Origin of the phrase. It's folk etymology. Oh, God, uh, it's going to be it's going to be all weird then, isn't it? Something about... A square was a pagan term for a, a I don't know, a, a, um, a flaming virgin. Apparently, early BBC radio commentaries helped listeners follow the progress of football and rugby games by dividing the pitch into equal rectangles. So there was a square one and things. But that seemed sort of, that's coincidental. I don't think that's the origin. Yeah, I don't think so. Agreed. Uh, I'd like the, uh, I like the snakes and ladders one myself. That, yeah. one, that, was, that made the let's most sense to me. Yeah, let's go with snakes and ladders. Um, I, I, I know you poo-pooed him publicly. But Dan Simmons asks, what's your favourite aquatic mammal? I'm going to say beaver, because it makes me want to giggle when I say the word beaver. <sighs> I'm, I'm not sure what what do we class as aquatic mammals, sort of dolphins and that sort of thing. Dolphins are pretty cool, they're pretty smart, aren't they? You know, dolphins have always freaked me out since um, that Simpsons episode where they take over. Mm. Yeah, they've always, you know, um, I'll go for like a... What's the the one that's sort of like a dolphin, but it isn't uh, a porpoise? Everybody needs some porpoise. Yeah, I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna go for a porpoise just because it's a fun word to say. Okay. Um, Chris Leakes at Mister Chris Leakes asks, "Who's the biggest cunt in the Tottenham podcast world?" Windy Coys, hands down. <laughs> he comes across mild mannered, inoffensive. Nah. Awful man. Meet him in real life, he's horrible. Horrible, horrible. Especially when he's been on the beers. Um, 
So that's that one. And me and him had um, a couple of weeks ago. We had some uh, beef. Ban- no, ba- it's a beef. Banter, no. no banter on the old text because uh, his, I think it was his Skype account, maybe was um, hacked. So it was kept on sending out spammy messages. He got um, he got hacked a while ago, didn't he? With the porn, the porn bot. This was, I think, this might have been ex- an extension for it. Um, <laughs> but um, so I, I sent him a text just so I heads up. I think your Skype account's been hacked, and he goes, "Oh, thanks for that, mate." I went, "No worries, you know, stay clear of those dodgy websites you've been visiting." And he replied, "But I really need this penis enlargement, and it only costs seventeen bitcoins." <laughs> <laughs> so you know. That's what he's like. He puts on this sort of innocent exterior, but uh, bad he's, bastard. Uh, he's making Proper dick jokes bastard. privately. He's sending dick pics. No, he's no. That's that's that's. He doesn't do that. I don't. Well, maybe he does actually. I don't know. I can't speak on his behalf. <laughs> um, he's a scumbag though. Um, Wendy, tweet us and tell us do you send dick pics? Yeah, go on, tell us, Wendy. Um, actually, just tweet as a dick pic. That's how we'll know. It's coys for. Come on your I don't know, <laughs> skirt. <laughs> I don't know. Bill um, Clinton. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's have a look. Do, 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 do. Um, oh, good God. Charlie Brown at Zav1918 asks, who is the player at Spurs you would least like to shockingly join Arsenal-Chelsea next season? Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Understand. Harry Kane. Come on. The Sol yeah. Campbell Mark II, isn't it? Um... Yeah. Taylor and Bestie, friends of the show. We haven't gotten to speak to them this year because their football club's a joke. Sorry, lads. Um, at Taylor and Bestie, ask if you could spend the day living as any former Spurs player, who would you choose? Sir Les Ferdinand for me. Just imagine if you could spend a day. Oh, it would be Dimitar Berbatov for me. Just that life, just chilling out, probably sitting on a boat, having a few fags. You know, that's it. Just been cool, generally speaking. Yeah, that seems quite fun. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being Dimitar. Did you see his touching tribute to her, uh, to Robbie Keane the other day? Uh, no, I missed it. Oh, mate, it was it was it was genuinely. Yeah, so Robbie Keane, he I don't know, he support, he passed some landmark for the Republic of Ireland the other night. Um, Stop playing for Ireland. Yeah, I don't know, maybe Fucking record hell. caps or record goals or something like that. And Berbatov uh, just recorded a video to either his Twitter or his Instagram. I think it's just to his Twitter. Um, just basically, yeah, he added Robbie Keane just saying, oh, mate, honestly, it, it, I got a bit of a lump in my throat watching it. Him just saying like to, you know, to my old partner in crime, Robbie Keane, remember all those defenders we used to make look stupid you were the best I've ever played alongside. You brought oh, if that out. was true, mate, you wouldn't have gone up the fucking motorway when we asked you not to, dickhead. I, 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 I've got love for Dimitar. I've got, I, I let him off. That's, you know? That summer was the summer. I know, um, it was gutters. A little bit of me died. Because I was, yeah. I, I was uh, still young enough to sort of think that footballers wanted to play for your football club back then. Um, and sort Ooh. of, I had posters of Berbatov and Keane in my bedroom. And I remember having to take them down um, by sort of the end of the transfer window. Um, I mean, how good were they, though? How good were those two? Fantastic. Next level. Um, Just immense. Um, Right, let's see. Right, so we're getting to... We've got a few, blah, 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 blah. Um, 
Anders Everson, you you might like this one, Raj, because you've sort of touched on this. Should we refocus our transfer policy from raw talent to players with Premier League experience to challenge Premier League the experience title? is a fucking myth. And next, no, mate. Even even Guardiola said it's not a myth, mate. You're, yeah, it is. Moussa Soko's got Premier League experience. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's a myth. It is a myth. There's nothing. Moussa Soko has Premier League experience, but he was shit in the Premier League before we signed him. But who, look, who, our best signings don't, have never had Premier League experience. Yeah. Hugo Lloris never played in the Premier League. Dimitar Berbatov never played in the yeah, Premier League. Luka Modric never played in the Premier League. It's a total myth, though, does it? Like, it's not uh, to it's, say... It's the not thing the be-all and end-all. But, yeah, no, no, but you're taking it from the perspective that anyone that doesn't have Premier League experience is immediately going to flop, which isn't the point that's being made, but it's just that it's it's less of a gamble if you do sign a player think, that consistently it, does well in the Premier League. I think it's an equal gamble. I think it, it, it adds a, ne- a ne- unnecessary level of expense to transfers. Um, I, I, it's one of those things, it's sort of a phrase that really um, I, I don't buy into whatsoever. If, if, I were, if I were manager of Man United, let's say, and I, I was the gatekeeper and I had £100 million to spend on a striker, I'd spend it on Harry Kane over Karen Benzema any day. Easily. But they wouldn't. If you had that amount of money at Manchester United, you'd buy Neymar. Well, no, no, but I'm talking about in this example between those two. Why those two, though? It's just uh, that's an arbitrary example. No, because they're two comparable strikers, two comparable players from, you know, a position that Man United arguably need to strengthen him when Ibrahimovic dies. (laughs) That's, yeah, and that's to me, that's... That's less of a gamble to to sign Harry Kane for that. In that money. specific example, it is yeah, but any other example, it may not be. If they had that amount of money and they could buy Lewandowski, which they probably could for hundred million, then they'd go for him. Yeah, I don't know. Don't know they right. would just because he's a bigger name, and Manchester United have Ed Woodward specifically has that. Yeah, need. but but no, but you're adding in variables now, mate. You're adding variables that aren't part of the conversation. You've just picked the most weird specific one that sort of trapped you in a corner where I have to agree. No, I haven't. I'm just. I'm. It's. 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 A I don't like. Example. I don't. Li- I don't like the Premier League experience thing. I. I, I don't think. I, I think. I do agree that there is some um, benefits to having players who are used to the league, but I do not think that benefit is big enough to amend a transfer policy entirely to to look inside that one division. But thus, it's not a myth then. It's largely a myth. Largely a myth. Mm. It's 90% a myth. Mm. Don't think so. I do. I think I I I actually wrote about this before. Yeah. But uh, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one, mate. I don't think it's... uh, I don't think it's as far-flung as you make it out to be, by any means. It's not like you to be wrong. Mm. (laughs) It is, really. I, I would I'd say more often than not, you know. Yeah. I no, I, it's, it's usually, one of those things. It's usually I, I, correct. Uh, nothing against whoever in, asked the question. In all, anything, in all walks of life. It's just one of the. It's because it, it's such a a go to phrase for weak papers and things to sort of lambast players like, oh, he's, why would you spend money on him? He doesn't have Premier League experience, and you know, it, it always reminds me of. I can't remember who it was who sort of was it Merson or someone who like when 
when Manchester City bought Yaya Torre, he's like, who's he? He's never played in the Premier League. He's played for Barcelona and he's 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 been playing centre-back when he's going to be playing centre-midfield and all this bullshit. And it's like, the only reason you don't rate this footballer is because you haven't seen him in front of your face. And I think there's uh, there's an element of blindness to that. So maybe uh, sort of the phrase I find guilty by association. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. There is definitely like a, a a fairly ridiculous and arbitrary kind of right wing line to this sort of thing that you know, it, as we sort of touched on it before with Zaha, you know, this why would he turn down England? Well, you know, why should he automatically play for for England? You know, Ivory Coast won the last African Cup of Nations. What the fuck have England won for you know the past fucking however many years now? Um, and I do get that. I definitely get that. But I think like it's too much of a reaction to just completely discount the fact that a player, if you if you are signing, if you are making a Premier League signing, it is less of a gamble to sign a player who already plays in the Premier League. It just is. I don't think it is because it, I think it ramps up the fee to a point where it makes it a more expensive gamble, where it makes it a more costly thing, which I think then does turn up the risk factor. I mean, if I was, you know, the example you give, if you were in charge of funds, if I was given that sort of scouting role um, and I had to come up with a list of priorities, Premier League experience wouldn't be towards the top of my list of priorities whatsoever. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, you know, for every Wanyama, there's a Kante. So, you know, that's uh, it's, it's on well, the yeah, there's, side there's, of my there's... opinion, but... Countless examples. I mean, we we just wax lyrics all about David Silver, who'd never set foot in England before he came and became the best player of in course. the division. However, like as I'm saying, though, it's not to say that any player that doesn't have Premier League experience isn't going to perform well in the Premier League. Though, That's... who's the last player we bought that sort of sort of Wanyama and Alderweireld? Are they the the last ones who sort of have benefited from that that we've bought? <laughs> I would say so. And they're they're two pretty good examples. To be fair, but at the same time, the the main reason we bought them is because the same guy who's in charge of our transfers had bought them about a year earlier. So, it's I'm I'm not sure that was to do with their Premier League experience, more the fact that whatever the black box was saying was saying it again when he plugged it in with a different team. And um, yeah, I it's 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 not for me this Premier League experience thing, I, especially if it, if it's in terms of sort of sacrificing the, the current um, transfer policy to sort of target new people, then I, I wouldn't go away. I don't even know if we, to be honest, I think quite a lot's made of it. I, I don't even see us having a clear transfer policy, to be honest with you, mate. I think it's a bit all over the shop. It's a bit bizarre, ours. I don't know. I think there is a sort of buy low, sell high, high upside, low downside sort of a mentality in general to what we do. We don't buy superstars, we make them, sort of a thing. And then we spend 30 mil on Musa Sissoko. But... <laughs> yeah, that's that's the exception that proves the rule. Um, Son cost a fair bit as well, though, didn't he? I think 18 million, yeah. yeah. But he's he's young enough, he was sort of... Yeah, true. Yeah. And he's almost our version of Pogba because he's sort of massive in the Asian yeah, market. He is. He's there, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um... Purgatory at Tritown Spurs says waffles or pancakes. Um, waffles. 
Really? See, if it's some sweet, pancakes, sweet like, waffles, I don't like. And uh, pancakes, I don't like whatsoever. I don't like, I like them savory or sweet. I like crepe pancakes. No, I don't like. But pancakes just they've got no flavour to them, and I don't understand well, them. You, you add flavour like, to them, don't you? Didn't you? Yeah. I don't like syrup or anything like that. Um, whereas waffles, if you get a good like sort of sugared Belgian waffle and put ice cream on it, then you're away. But then you've 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 just sort of you know contradicted yourself there, mate. Because you said like you need to add sugar and ice cream to it, whereas you've just said no, pancakes like they come don't sugar, work because you've got to add stuff to them. Yeah, but I wouldn't have pancakes and ice cream. But you can do that. I don't. Yeah, but do I, that. but I wouldn't do that. It, that yeah. seems like a weird thing to do. I've started making because I'm tr- I'm trying to like cut down on carbs a little bit. I'm just sort of kidding myself for a bit. I've started making pancakes on the weekend mornings with so you just use banana egg and a little bit of baking powder and oh, they, right. uh, they but they're more like the American style ones they're alright chuck, chuck a few blueberries on them as well you know it's, it's, it's quite nice you've been quite watching nice. the uh, the BuzzFeed Tasty channel aren't you no no I actually <laughs> I, I took these off a off a off a nutritionist who, who told me to like that. Um, no, just someone I, I did some work with not long ago. Um, I was talking to him about shedding for the wedding. Um, but oh, is that a thing? <laughs> given I've had a, a few beers tonight already, um, yeah, whatever. Um, do, do, do. Who did we? Oh, yeah, we both said Berbatov, didn't we? To Taylor and Bestie. Um, we've done the aquatic animal. We've done quite a lot of questions tonight. All right, Nathan at TT Tactics says, how much more productive have you been in the absence of club football? Based on that, how would your life be if you didn't like football? Um, no, fuck that. I don't, I don't even want to entertain that. I haven't been that much more productive. I'd have to find a new line of work. Exactly. It's football that makes me productive. Look at what we're doing now, you know? Yeah, um, that is pretty much shit. my li- livelihood is based mm. on this sport and others. So, yeah. um, it's a, it'd be a entire lifestyle and <laughs> career change. Yeah, so jog on, Nathan. Your your tactics nonce. Um, <laughs> right, Richard, me enlisted. Right, we've done enough football now. So if you if you uh if you like football, it's it's dead. Um, Richard Meehan asks, what should True Detective 3 be about? Location, themes, actors? That's um, a good question, that. Because it's, 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 it's actually, it's been green, green lit now, hasn't it? Oh, they got a storyline on things, or is it just that there's going to be a third season? Oh, yeah, no, just that there's been a third season. It's been green lit right. now, I believe. I believe I'd, anyway. I'd, I'd want it in West Yorkshire. There's a serial cow tipper. That's affecting the, <laughs> the fields of Halifax and Wakefield, and um, there was that actual a, a sort of true detectivey type series called Red set all around in West Yorkshire. Did you ever? Um, did you no, ever watch that? Not heard of it. No. It's fucking no. grim. It might have been South Yorkshire actually, but it was yeah, across it, like it will be grim if it was South Yorkshire. Uh, it was like three two part um, mini series. So there were like. But it was set, I think one was like set in like the late 60s, one was set in the mid 70s, one was set in the early 80s, but it was still a continuation of um, something It kind of touched on the Yorkshire Ripper and blah, 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 all these different things. But it was pretty fucking grim. Channel 4 
type things. Worth watching, actually. I would. Jokes aside, I would like to see if they could make an English version. Set it over here. Yeah, with definitely. Sort of um, an English cast. You, you know, get like Idris Elba in, and sort of you know pl- actors of that ilk. I'd like something non-London focused as well. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but genuinely something like maybe in Birmingham or you oh, know. Christ. Manchester or even a Leeds or something like that. One of one of the UK's <laughs> other cities. Maybe Cardiff's pretty. Cardiff's a pretty gritty. You place. can't. You can't have sort of the the philosophical dialogue that's made True Detective what it is in Birmingham. Although There's been might... a murder. Yeah. What yeah, are you allowing? Like... <laughs> you got to. You got to make sure the body is clean. Don't know why they'd be saying that. I couldn't really think of something to say in a brummy accent. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know where you'd put it. Maybe like you'd, maybe one of the islands, like you know Shetland or somewhere Isle of Wight or something. Yeah, you know somewhere like proper backwater style. A tough Glaswegian cop with his. The, yeah. That's been done though. They're sort of like Rebus and Taggart and all that true, sort of. True, true. And you saying there's been a murder? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, it'd be good to see something here. Maybe Irish, sort of Irish countryside, get one of the McDonough brothers in to help with the script. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson and That'd his son. Donald Gleeson, father-son detective um, combo. That's a, a dynamic they've not used on True Detective yet. Failing that, I always like things in Baston. I quite like things in, in Baston. Oh, it's been done though, hasn't it? Mm. It has, but I, I feel like the departed and Ray Donovan's there. At the I suppose, but True Detective's got it's a bit it's a bit darker than that sort of thing. It's you know those are all a little bit pop. There are too many. There are too many sort of cliche minefields in Boston. Portland, you could see someone that doesn't like you know pretentious hipster types getting bumped off. They'd have a field day in Portland. So yeah. Maybe somewhere like Miami or something, because there's not been many things in Miami, and most of them are quite camp. Dexter, yeah, that's about the only thing that springs to mind. Around so there. You, you'd want so th- that that sort of thing. New Orleans, that's where I'd want to go. No, New Orleans, mate. It's... Then you can get all your sort of if if you and your yeah and... all the sort of Haitian culture and things yeah, like that as that's well. That's my and... dream holiday location. Mate, honestly, go. I was going to say, if you if you do a road trip or you visit the states or anything like that, when when me and my mates road trip the states, New Orleans stands out as one of just the best places I've ever been to. Yeah. Let alone one of the best places in America. Loved it. There. Yeah, because you know how much I loved sort it. of love jazz and all that sort of a thing. Oh, I just want to sit mate. there and drink and listen to music and drink on the street and all that sort of shit. Good food, um, good people. Yeah, good soul times. food and everything. Yeah. Looks beautiful and everything. But I've the never thing heard I would say, fucking boiling, fucking oh, yeah. boiling, yeah, like dry, dry. No, not even that. Well, yeah, kind of dry and moist at the same time. It's hard to say. Doesn't really make sense. It's a place that doesn't make sense, but it's fucking amazing. Um, just yeah. hot, very hot. Flip flop weather. Yeah, to say the least. Um. So we didn't really give a clear answer. But any 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 particular actors you'd like to see in that? Um, I don't know. I like it when they go slightly left field. Although mm-hmm. sort of the A-listers that they had 
in the first one. I'd like them to avoid sort of the the cliched ones that are going around at the minute, like Tom Hiddleston and shit like that. Yeah, oh, f- oh, of, mate, he's an unbearable man. He's a, he's a decent of, enough actor, but he's an unbearable man. Like He does come across as a bit of a twat. Yeah. Um, I th- I feel like he'd fall into the cliche territory, um, but I do I do like Fassbender. I'm I'm a fan of Michael Fassbender. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him in something like this, but I feel like like you say, I almost feel like it'd be too obvious to have someone like him in a true yeah. detective. Maybe a Chastain. I think she was actually in talks for the last series. Maybe really, but I like Jessica Chastain. Okay. Um, yeah, somebody like that. Just somebody of a sort of who's a more of a an actor than a somebody a, a celebrity, um, that sort of a. Um, I'm just thinking now. I usually like it when they get like a a comic actor and get them to you know when you you saw like towards Vince Vaughn. Yeah, you saw Vince Vaughn doing the other thing, but it, you know when you saw like Robin Williams sort of take a bit of a, a heel turn toward the end of his yeah. career and stuff. I don't know. It could be a career saver. It'd be interesting. Somebody like Will Smith, like give him an actual yeah. dramatic role. Because he's, he's made dog shit for like a decade now. Yeah. Um, and he's a decent actor when he when he fancies it. He's a decent enough actor, uh, yeah. Will Smith. And if, if you actually put it in somewhere like New Orleans, then you could have a sort of a majority black cast and you could put in sort of, you know, Actors that otherwise wouldn't have that exposure. You could go get one of the the lads from Moonlight and you know Mahershala Ali and Will Smith in a buddy cop drama. Yeah, I'd you know watch it now. You would. It would be take my money. Mm. Mahershala Ali, mate. Like he, <gasps> my, uh, Kevin Spacey is a bad guy. Is is yeah, yeah. That's sort of an obvious cast, but you you. You don't go wrong, do you? Kaiser Sose, Redux, you know. Yeah. Sticking um, <laughs> Peter Dinklage with um, Mahershala Ali and Will Smith. That's your trio. Quite like that. Quite like that. Um, oh, Peter Dinklage is good. He's got a good crackly face as well that would make him sort of decent. Yeah. For... And he's one of them who he makes odd decisions like with the films he makes. He was in that... Pixels, wasn't he? I've not heard it, but I've, I've not not seen it. Sorry, but I've heard nothing but sort of appalling reviews and stuff of it. Okay. Um, I reckon let's 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 send it there, mate. I think we've given the people a good a good show. Yeah, I'm going to see uh, Get Out tomorrow night. Um, oh, so, so um, we can talk about that next week. I was supposed to go see it over the weekend, but with um sort of having our cat put down we sort of didn't fancy going out so um we're gonna go tomorrow instead which i'm very much looking forward to um and free fires out on friday as well which i want to go and watch good old ben wheatley yeah i mean he, he I, I don't like him as much as other people and i think high rise was sort of his worst film to date um see i agree but i still enjoyed it i i saw its many flaws and i agree that it wasn't particularly good but i just there's something about Ben Wheatley. I just like, I like this quality he brings out in his actors. This sort of weird, don't know, quality. Um, I'm a big fan of his. Kill List still my favourite of his, FYI. Yeah. I liked um, Field in England. That was very bizarre. 
I did like yeah. it. Very, very, very bizarre. It was just really weird. I, I like it when mm. sort of people just sort of indulge themselves. Yeah. Yeah. He he um he always reminds me like from the face. I always get him mixed up with um Joe Goddard. You know the producer from um Hot Chip. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they their brothers separated at birth. Yeah, they are. But it's a good shout. Um, just because they're sort of fat men with long hair and beards. <laughs> It's sort of like saying that, you know, me and Dev Patel are brothers, which is sort of a reverse racism, if that yeah. such a thing exists. Well, we, we, we won't go into that one. Um, that's a pod for another day. Shout out to my sister, Rachel Dolezal. <laughs> she's she's doing something at the moment. Is she going on Panorama? She's doing some fucking shit, something. Or? You're not wrong there. Uh, fucking hell. Um, right, well... Less of a more of listening to previous episodes of Rulerie's podcast, which you can do so on Acast, iTunes, or on our website, rtrpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at rtr underscore pod. Um, with regard to iTunes, please leave us some reviews. Um, doesn't have to be nice. Please, yeah, give us the five stars, obviously. <laughs> have to be nice. But the review doesn't have to be nice. It just pushes us up the iTunes chart and it validates our ego a bit. Um, existences as a whole exactly that's it you know I, i'm a i'm a pathetic sad little man that works in an office and this is my only solace so you know you can do me a solid um as i accompany you on your sad pathetic little journeys to your own sad pathetic little life Leeds. what do people do do you, do you reckon what do people do when they listen to this do you reckon they're on their way to work probably having a shit i wonder if people are making love while they listen to us listen to us talk Maybe it gets some people. If you are one of the the one of, if it, if the if it is say one in a thousand, if you are one of those people that just gets off on the not not because you know you you're in any way sexually attracted to any of us, but there's just something about like you know, kind of fairly monotone sounding, <laughs> malcon contrary malcontents on a podcast that just gets you off. Please do tweet us and let us know um, if. Rule the roost gets you hard. The only way I can see that ever happening is or if wet. someone. Either way, don't discriminate. Thanks for that, Jack. Um, if someone's got their iPod on shuffle and sort of Marvin Gears come to an end, and suddenly an episode of this comes on by accident, <laughs> that would be quite good. Um, so yeah, that's it. Tweet is about that. Don't know where that came from. Come on, you spurs. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 